Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Cause I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 140 of the Green Light Podcast. POC, E-Phrase, back at it. Sunday, December 17th, as uh, one of my fantasy teams is still alive. The other one is not. Uh, not the one that matters. Maybe. Are you worst. alive? Um, I should be, because oh, uh, no, it's yeah, like in the league the that Paul time. and I are in. No, Paul, Paul wants to talk about his team finished in last and deserve it. Like He got crushed by some injuries. I had the second most points in a 10-team league, and I finished in ninth. Like, what are we talking about? What That's are we hard. About? We've really debated in my other league about eliminate or or keeping head-to-head, but then also adding points as like – No, that's what I – that as, as soon as the regular season ended, I said I officially yeah. have a motion to do – call it double headers, where one is against your matchup, yep. and then one if you finish in the top half, you get another win or a yep. loss based on that. So it evens out the volatility of the scheduling. Yep. I'm big, I don't hate big, it. In, big in big in favor. I feel like it's um I don't hate it. Uh, it, it it's qual it's I feel like that's a NCAA committee like quality of work like benchmark there of uh, okay, yeah, we we're we're looking at the full the full quality of your season and um cuz yeah, it doesn't matter cuz clearly if you don't have the second most points in the league and you don't make the playoffs it wasn't about the quality of work, it's about luck, which There's is listen. Anyone that tries to tell you that fantasy football isn't fifty, at least fifty percent luck, you're you're an idiot. I had Joe Burrow and Mark Andrews get injured and end their season within four and a half minutes of each other. I'm gonna end. So, don't, I don't. I don't want to because no one cares about this. But I don't even want to hear that because my first two picks were Nick Chubb and Garrett Wilson, and like literally Garrett Wilson uh, lost his quarterback, and uh, then Nick Chubb is blew his entire knee up. So yeah. I, we all right, let's talk. No let's one talk. cares. Let's the talk. Yeah, stuff. nobody cares. And that was the segment of no one cares about your fantasy team. Um, all right, let's lead uh, this episode off with we know who our national champion is going to be. And it's going to be one of these 12 teams. It's a headline that's, grab right there. That headline grab. We know who the national championship is. Here is stat number one. 100% of college basketball natty champions since 2004 were ranked in the top 12, in the week six AP poll. So that means here are this year's title contenders. Oklahoma, Baylor, Tennessee, Arizona, Kansas, Yukon, Gonzaga, Marquette, Carolina, Houston, Creighton, Purdue. We are going to follow that up by another stat that takes it down to six or five. Since the release of the net, which people are, I love the net debate on Twitter. It's just, I, it's just because we had the same debate was RPI, and it's just now we just have a new formula that people it's argue the net. It's just the net, and it's like we'll go to another formula with a three-letter acronym. Yeah, and people um, will complain about that too. But exactly. since the release of the net, every national champion was ranked in the top five on December fifteenth. So here are the five teams. There's one massive outlier. Everyone else kind of makes sense to me. 
Don't, don't, don't you call that team an outlier because I'm a big fan. All right, well, Keep listen, going. let's you know, let's embrace the bait. Purdue, Houston, Arizona, Baylor, and BYU. Do not sleep on the Cougars. I'm telling you. I'm, Mark I'm Pope, not sleeping. I'm just saying if I you mean, had they to... should they 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 have no I'm not saying it's they played outlier. the toughest schedule. I'm not saying they played the toughest schedule. You say it's an outlier, but they have the 15th ranked offense, they have the seventh ranked defense, and they play in the Big 12 where they're going to get like tested quality opponents week in and week out. All right, so, like, then I, put put those three letters on your natty championship line in, in three and a half months. Dude, I, I'll plant my stake. I will and, <laughs> and I'm gonna be a little biased, but I am a Big fan. The only thing that scares me with BYU, you look at their their distribution, is forty one point nine percent of their points come from three, uh, forty five point three percent come from two, and then twelve percent come from the free throw line. So they are. That's, fourth is that the, scary to you? No, they are fourth in the country. It, it's scary to me just because they're fourth in the country in three point um, point distribution. Sure. And then they're 317th in two points. So my point, if you that's clear, you're relying on the three more than all but three teams in the country. And so if you have a cold shooting night, that's that's the only thing that scares me. But at the same time, I mean, they are they shoot 37.2% from three. The one stat that I love, and this is absolutely love because I think this is a hallmark component of quality defensive teams. They're second in the country in defensive three-point percentage. Teams are shooting 23.9% against them from three. So these dudes guard. Uh, they don't really turn teams over a ton. They don't, they rebound really well. Um, so like I, I like BYU. I don't want to turn this into like a BYU segment. I do like them. I get a little bit worried just because of their how reliant they are on the three. Um, but I think the rest of yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any arguing that Purdue, Houston, Arizona, I'll take ba- Baylor now, granted. Things if you'd asked me 24 hours ago about Baylor, probably would have had a different outlook. Um, oh. but like they got rolled by Michigan State, um, by 24, they lost 88 to 64. But I think there is a st- I think Purdue, Arizona, Houston, I think clear kind of step ahead of, of the rest of it. UConn, too. You can throw UConn, UConn doesn't fit into this, 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 that statistic with the net. But I think there's a clear, like we saw, I think, in my opinion, we saw the best two teams in the country play yesterday, if you're subscribed to Peacock. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of it already. It didn't bother me when it was a random, like, football game or whatever because it wasn't my team and, that, you know, it didn't affect me. But now, you know, it's affecting me. I couldn't wa- – I had to watch the Big Ten and 60 at 10 in the morning, yes. which actually was epic. <laughs> um, that's how basketball should be watched. So you're just not a Peacock. You just refuse to subscribe to Peacock. No, we've all come full circle. We used to have Peacock and spend $120. We We unbundled just to have all these. I'm not getting Peacock. Yeah, because now, but now we're in this this phase or this zone where all the stream, they're just trying to survive each other because it will whittle itself back down. But it's is it's a time of the strong survive. Now, see, I am I I am self admitted huge fan of peacock yeah well you got um, multiple teams i got you get all your premier league you get all the wwe pay-per-views you get like all the nbc like you get the office you get 30 right you get um parks and rec like i'm a big fan of peacock but this is a proxy of, if you want these big college these tv deals and nbc's giving money to the big 10 the their end game is to like okay where can where can NBC make money? It's yeah, by getting more Peacock subscribers. And so that's part of the money that the Big Ten's getting. 
you know that miss the game. Here's a question for you, and we'll, I don't want to stay on this too long. Would you, if it meant, say the ACC is crumbling and falling apart, would you take yeah, Duke to the Big Ten if oh. half of your conference games were on Peacock? I mean... It, that but that's my ultimate kryptonite because wherever they if they have to be on a platform but, I will buy the platform but that's it yeah I'm not but my point being you got like the these the conferences that are surviving are the ones with these giant TV deals and so if you want to be part of that mix shoot man that's it's gonna be uh it's just kind of it's it's kind of the the nature of it shout out to the Mac though ESPN plus it gets everything covered shout out to the Mac also for I don't know if we talked about this last week being truly the only untouched conference in the last, I mean, kind of forever. I mean, besides, yeah. we always talk about it, besides the random uh, UMass. And football football thing, came in. Yeah, they've had some. Whatever. Besides stables that. Stables can be. Yeah, as stables. Stables can be, can be regional rivalries, history. Um, they did. I mean, they flirted there with Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee for a, for a minute. Um, and those were just been additions. But, uh, and, and no subtractions um, as of yet. Yep. We'll see what happens. Like I, I, at this point, I just, I think it, it is stable. You know what you get in there and you're getting quality football. You're getting quality basketball in that conference. So and shout out to Tim Albin and the Bobbies. Shout, shout, out, to, straight, shout out to the Bobbies. Five straight bowl games wins in a row. Um, two for straight a program. That, yeah. Two straight first ever back-to-back 10 win seasons for the Bobcats. They're chanting 10 win Tim. Um, and then, Honestly, the most impressive is Ohio had never won a bowl game until 2011, uh, my sophomore year at Ohio, and they have won now, I believe seven, eight. I mean, they've won, they've gone to five bowl games the last six years, and they've won all five of those. Um, and we just point out with their third string quarterback, with their basically third and fourth, a running back that had six carries on the year, had five touchdowns. They lost two of their top receivers. They lost like eight, I think it was like 11 guys to the portal in the last like week and a half. And they came out and put a drubbing on Georgia Southern. So shout out to the Bobcats. Um, Let's talk about the portal. Give me your take. This is my, I think my biggest takeaway from the show is, and obviously coming from a space where Ohio just won, even without like losing their whole team. I was just thinking, and, and I texted you about this of, can you imagine if the way that the portal and the way that the timeline of college football works right now impacted college basketball the same way, because it, it it would ruin it would ruin the sport, in my opinion, because you have guys as soon as the season ends, let's say. Obviously, Ohio's quarterback, all these guys hit the portal, say Ohio wins the MAC championship in Cleveland, and then right after selection Sunday, four of their seven rotation players are like, you know what, I'm going the portal. I'm going to I'm not playing. I'm sitting this out. It would completely devalue the NCAA tournament, which makes college basketball so great. And so I get, I feel like college football is so focused just on the college football playoff that we've gotten to this point where a bowls don't matter to players or anything. And, and fine, like find maybe find another way where it does, but the timeline and signing day being next week and guys just not, and, and coaches having to put so much effort too into having to just recruit and re-recruit and manage the portal rather than actually like preparing and putting a hundred percent effort into a bowl game. You don't see, I don't know if that's just by design within college basketball, the timeline, like you're not the evaluation timeline, the period I get their different seasons, 
but it and obviously I am college basketball first and foremost through and through. I do enjoy college football, but it blows my mind that a sport as popular as college football can fall in a smile where basically unless you're playing in a New Year's Six game where there's some more prestige or you're playing in the college football playoff, the rest of these teams, honestly, it's just such a crapshoot because the ro- like the rosters are just, I mean, throw it out. And their number one concern is n- the coaching staff is honestly is preparing for next season. You would never see that in college basketball. You would never see it. It it has ruined ball games. I mean, you and I care about our alma mater. I will not. I promise. And I mean, like, when I mean watch, I mean, like, sit down and eyes glued, yeah. or, you know, maybe scrolling Twitter. I don't mean, like, it's on in the background while you're at, like, a holiday party. I mean, yeah. watching bowl games. I'm not watching any. I'm watching the college football playoff, and that's it. And yeah. they're they're irrelevant. So the the debate, you know, who was it a couple of years ago? Kirk Herbstreit, who got like in, I don't want, he didn't get in trouble, uh, but he got a lot of pushback when he was like, guys don't care anymore. They're not passionate. I can't remember like the words he said, but essentially called everyone out for being like, like, how do you not care about this bowl game? But I will push back and say this system, what you guys have done to yes. college football, not Kirk, but you know, what uh, TV and all the conference realignment has done is made these irrelevant. And so, yeah, I I understand. And I think we need to, like, I always try and make this comparison back to you and I, right? Your, your, your currency, Ian Frazier, and my currency, in terms of our value, in terms of economic value, is our brain. It's not my yeah. body. If my economic value was my body, I wouldn't play in this dumbass game. No matter how much I love Notre Dame, even if I was a four-year player there or or anywhere doesn't matter Alabama pick the Ohio State if my economic value and my success as a human in this world was tied to how well this body operates then yes you it makes sense for you to be out for yourself because every school is out for themselves every conference is out for themselves every TV yeah. deal is out for themselves how do we make the most money so like I I struggle with the the pushback from Kirk. Now I get it. Everyone has this like rose colored glasses of what the eighties and nineties and two thousands looked like and the Rose bowl and tradition. And I get it. And I think we all long for those days from that individual standpoint. Yeah. But how could you, what are you supposed to tell a kid? He's going to get drafted. He's going to make $30 million or he's going to go tear his ACL, which has happened multiple times. They play in this bowl game. Someone gets hurt and then they're shit out of luck. And now we're what we feel better now. I, and I think it's it is two. I think there's like two separate scenarios. I think what you're talking about right there is like the Caleb Williams, where it's he's not playing in the USC's bowl because it's not meaningful enough, and they're going to the league and he's protecting it. What I think because of the portal and because of signing day, because everything yeah, that's you're transferred right. is the opposite of where like Ohio, Ohio it, it, to get to a playoff like as a G5 school, you, there's basically one spot for right now like that Liberty has to play in the Fiesta Bowl. Like say Ohio had gone. Undefeated, yeah. I, I think Curtis Rourke, I think these guys, Bangura, they all stay and they play. But because it's not, the bowl should for these G five teams, the bowl should be similar to the turn, like a, even just a first round tournament appearance. A bowl should be meaningful. But now that trickle, I think it's been a trickle down effect where we saw it's like all right, the top players are sitting out, like a Caleb Williams to protect draft status and money. Where now it's the same, and it's personal to me just because the two teams I follow the closest are Ohio and James Madison. 
and they're probably two of the teams that have just gotten crushed by the portal more than anybody because JMU's had their best season in program history and their entire starting lineups have basically been decimated. And that's not because those guys are preserving draft status. That's because, hey, we're going to go like Curtis works like I'm going to go play at Indiana next year. Maybe not even be bowl eligible as as a Hoosier. Yeah. And I'm giving up an opportunity to play in a bowl that actually is meaningful for a school like Ohio that because we can say, hey, we've won five straight bowl games. I don't care if it's the Myrtle Beach Bowl, the Independence Bowl, the Potato Bowl. It, it builds to something because you're playing an unnatural opponent and you're playing it with high, with like it's on ESPN. It's this very similar to me as the NCAA tournament. It's like great. Like you're not always like Akron when they played, I think who they lose to it was UCLA. I think they lost in the first round with gross. It's like, great. They didn't win. They didn't have this giant moment. Like gross did at Ohio. That's still an experience where everyone's tuning in, watching Akron. It's like, yep, maybe I haven't watched that much all season, but it's on a national stage. I'm going to watch that. I just think the two comparisons to me, that's crazy. Is it would be a, if like James Madison right now, basketball, they're undefeated. Say they make the tournament, but then like three or four of their guys are like, yeah, but next year I'm trying to go play at Duke or Carolina. So I'm going to sit the tournament out because I'm just want to make sure I put myself in the portal immediately and get picked up. That's what's happening in the G fives with, with a lot of these schools. And then also the Caleb Williams situation, like what if Purdue say they fall off the one line, say they end up with like a three or a four seed. Zach Eadie's not going to sit out the NCAA tournament just because they're a three or a four seed. And so part of it's obviously just the nature of bowls and the playoff and playoff will help some of that. And just the structure of college basketball and the tournament being so great as it is. The other piece of it though, is man, the NCAA, however it is the timeline of the portal and signing day. And it leads me to exactly what we were texting about earlier is there's a distinct difference in college basketball commitments than college football commits. It blows my mind to me that these kids, how much like a commitment doesn't like, doesn't really doesn't mean, mean anything. Not until and you not sign. hundred percent does like you can name, like we're going to talk about Robert Dillingham in Kentucky. Like he was committed to NC state and yeah. And he backed off and goes to Kentucky. You can say that's a flip, but also people kind of saw that coming. It was early enough. Dylan Rayola, this kid that is committed to Georgia. Like he was committed to Ohio state decommits. Then goes to Georgia. And then now is taking an official visit the week before signing day in Nebraska. And it's probably going to flip on signing day. Like I don't college basketball. We don't really think of signing day like college football does. It's just kind of because everything it's not, Hey, Oh, is this kid going to flip or not? And I guess part of it's because of roster construction. These coaches aren't like they're Once a guy's committed, like they're okay, great. Like we're, we're not, re, we're not recruiting. Like for example, like say TJ power that when he went to commit Duke, Tony's not still in TJ powers ear saying, Hey, you know what though? Like they just well, took this kid. Like Tony when have you, but, How, but when is not, that? I, no, I agree is, with yeah. everything you're saying. I yeah. agree with everything. But my you're point saying. is, you're not, they're not like, I feel like in nine out of 10 cases, maybe you can say eight out of 10 cases, once a kid is committed, yeah, you, the yeah, other schools a, are falling back. You're yeah. falling back. Whereas I don't think that's the case in college football. No. And I think it just like, do you think it's a volume issue? There's just so many positions that we have to recruit for. So it's like, just keep recruiting. Or do you think it's a culture thing in college football that that's not an unwritten rule at all? I think it's both. I think like not saying that anyways, that programs aren't still talking to kids. It's just, it's made, I, I just, I think that it's another thing, at least me, and it is, I'm biased to college basketball. It almost like devalues, like it devalues the commitment and and, yeah. and everything there. Like, like what, what's uh, like um, Harper at, at Rutgers, mm -hmm. like he just commits to Rutgers, but like, 
in my mind, yeah, like the only thing that's going to maybe change that is if he decided like, you know, last second, like I'm going to go do play G League Ignite or I'm not yeah. going to. I don't sure. think that Duke or, or Carolina are swooping in at the last minute and taking him. Whereas yeah. college football, literally, this is the top kid in the country. He's already been committed to Ohio State, already committed to Georgia, and it's probably going to flip to Nebraska in the 11th hour. And it's it's another I, – I think it's – that's it plays into that timeline aspect of signing day and and transfer portal opening. And I, I don't know what the fix is because I don't know from that football side. But to wrap this, I'm curious. Like you've obviously seen – I think probably most people at this point have because it's gone pretty viral and it was really spot on. It was Chip Kelly. Um, and I think what Chip Kelly talked about um, – I do think can be even spread outside of just the divisions and separating football. I think that football needs to operate in a different world than it in, in full than even the rest of college athletics. But can, I don't know if you can summarize the best way, if you have the quote up with, with what he said, but uh, I well, thought it was I, spot I on to wanna, hear from a football coach too. I do want to say, you know, it's almost like the early commitment, decommitment, all the stuff that you just talked about is like a symptom or or a cause of the symptom of the portal, right? So like, if that's how you're starting a relationship, right? So like, this kid commits to Ohio State, then he commits to Georgia. Like that's a that's already rocky. Like if I'm the Georgia, I'm like, all right, he already said yes to this other university. Now yeah. he's saying yes to us. How confident are you in that? Yes, like you can't be confident. And then even if they do come, like. Are you excited about that relationship? Like, I, I mean, look, it, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you are because he's, you know, the, the, it's at least talent. at first, but then you like, look at like Justin Fields, he, the same thing. He went to Georgia and then didn't play and then goes to Ohio state. And, and it's, I'm not saying that we don't see that in college basketball. We clearly, there's a yeah. ton of transfers, there's yeah. impact transfers, but it, it's just, it's, it's does not feel the same. And so my biggest worry is that if we if everything is just following football's model and everything is following and done and obviously conference realignment that's why it ties into what Chip Kelly said if everyone is following that I'm worried for um the future of other sports obviously particularly particularly college basketball but essentially what Chip Kelly said was why don't we he goes if everything is everything is so much different in college football how it operates how it's structured what's meaningful what isn't the timelines let football break off and you yes. have P5, you have your your top, you have your 50, whatever it is. All your P5 programs are all technically like independent, but in one league, all your G5s are independent in their league. You, you and it's one. And I love the Notre Dame call out. I love it. He yeah. goes, what, why can't we do this? It already exists for the last 30 years. Yes. And everyone's like, oh, but it's TV. It's okay, great. Well, then, yeah. Then you just we'll lump figure it out. everyone, you lump everyone into it. And yep. then once again, it helps also of the, we talk about players deserve to get paid outside of NIL. It's okay. Great. Then if you do break that off, then you can, if you have a national TV deal that takes all the P fives or all the G fives and you have set rates for every school, then it's, yeah, then you can set aside and you could, even if there was a union, you could collectively even bargain for all in one, because you're not saying, Hey, Alabama versus Vanderbilt. It's, it's one giant pot. And you divvy it up. And I know it's not, there's, there's plenty of holes in this scenario, but it does need, it, 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 he makes it, it if you've not it's heard it, logical. it's a two minute, it's a very, very logical component of it. And he, as a football coach, it's exciting to hear him say, he goes, our basketball team at UCLA, he goes, should be playing Arizona. 
He goes, our basketball team and our softball team should be playing Arizona. Mm-hmm. He goes, they're not. And and that's a guy is like, yeah, for him, I'm sure he is incredibly excited as a football coach for UCLA to be moving into the Big Ten. But he can also see that it does not that that decision in UCLA, Washington, USC, uh, Oregon, that is a purely football decision. The Big Ten is not bringing in Washington basketball to make the uh, to Washington to make their their basketball program or basketball portfolio stronger. It's strictly football. And so great. And the TV, everything is great too. Credit to them. They're sitting pretty. So I don't think anything like this is going to be done because no one wants to back off if they've got the best deal there is. But at the same time, it would solve so many issues. Um, and I think it would honestly make college basketball even more compelling if we could just say, hey, P5 football, that's its own organization. G5 football, that's its own organization. Blend a national tournament together. Blend the TV deals together. Let college athletics then. And and honestly, it would it would it would probably would save the ACC because then it makes basketball conferences at the forefront and yes. it puts so much the value back on a Duke, Carolina, a Virginia, yep. rather than like Duke. Like it sucks because Duke and I'm, I'm not to pump your your team's tires, but like Duke is a top three iconic brand in basketball. It doesn't. It has not mattered clearly at all in this conference realignment shakeup because. Yeah. It's just no matter you could be the literally clearly the best. Same with Kentucky, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, and Kansas. None of them are traditional football powers. It doesn't matter at all how great they are in every other sport, and because it's just all all the reorganization is football driven. Great, separated out, and and I guarantee it's a much cleaner um, cleaner process. All right, I want to transition to the um, the latest drama debacle just shit with the NCAA. So on this past Wednesday, U.S. District Judge Preston Bailey in West Virginia issued a temporary restraining order against the NCAA, allowing two-time transfers to play immediately. Um, The NCAA allows underclassmen to transfer once without sitting uh, out a year, but a second transfer as an underclassman requires a waiver to play immediately. Um, My my take is not on whether or not they should be eligible, whether or not a a team should play them, or whether or not they will lose eligibility. Whatever, I don't know what's going to happen with that. The NCAA kind of walked back their initial sentence, their statement, and are now saying yes. If you do play these players in these two weeks, then they are going to lose eligibility. Here's my thing. No, they've and then they revered back on that though. It is clear now. Like they played. West Virginia played guys. It went back and forth. So they are. Okay. So then I already missed. I'm, Bor- I'm reading are, Borzello's December 14th. So I'm already out of. Date. Yeah. So Friday night, so, like basically Friday, it switched it. The pendulum swung back again okay. where the incident, they basically came in where, okay. Like they, the court they said can you play. can play. Then the NCAA came back and said, okay, you could lose eligibility. And then they came back and it's, it's, it's clear again on Friday, okay. like Friday, late Friday afternoon. My question is. You know, and f- for take football out of it. When is one school? It's only going to take one. And again, this is how everything in history works, right? It's very scary to be the first, but then afterwards, people will follow. And I understand this statement is going to sound a little like, Paul, like, what the hell are you talking about? But when is one school just not going to abide by the NCAA saying? Like, let's say the NCAA didn't retract and they said, no, they're going to lose eligibility. 14 days go by, January 1, whatever it is, and they the NCAA issues a statement that, hey, West Virginia, uh, you know, Ian Frazier, whoever you play, it doesn't matter, whatever, is ineligible. What happens the first time, let's just use West Virginia, says 
we don't care and they're going to play and they're traveling and all of these things. What like let's let's logically say what would happen. What do you think would happen? I really don't. They're not gonna, mean, there's no there's no enforce. They're not going to send anyone to West Virginia and be like, hey, they're not. It would they would I think they they would throw. OK, you're playing this. All, all of those wins are null and void and you're not going to play in the NCAA tournament because of that. They would just nullify if you're like if you're playing but, with an ineligible can player you just, to our standards. Can you just keep bringing them to court? Like, we, like. But I don't. I, I think that, and as someone that, and not to knock JMU fans, as someone that, um, from the outside, I think got tired of hearing JMU fans talk about injunction and relief by court. Like, I don't think that court. This is one of the first times I think where like the courts have actually gone against the NCAA and there's actually been a change. Like, I think people think automatically that oh we we file a lawsuit we're on wednesday we're in court on thursday and the ncaa's rules are broken on friday like that's that that's what a lot of jmu fans thought with the bowl eligibility and everything before and like that's not realistic but this is one and this is a little bit of the tide turning and will wade talked about it obviously yeah will because it is if you take a step back and like a lot of antitrust the exemptions like that's a whole different piece of it I, i just think they're they're saying if the as long as now, football, I think football is interesting because the NCAA doesn't control the college football playoff. And it's not there. Basketball, basketball is different because the NCAA can say, okay, you played, you have 25 wins, 20 of those you had an ineligible player. So those 20 don't count. Your resume to our selection committee is you have five wins. And so you could, you could keep playing, but I don't think that, I don't think that they are, the NCAA, they're not going to succumb to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. a court order but, to like but, let them in. Yeah, not to one team. But no. what if there was like, I, yeah. 27 my, teams. My only issue with this, and like I'm all for obviously players' rights, allowing them to play. The yeah. only thing that sucks about this situation is that there are plenty of teams and schools that did not take guys because of the like they they're because you we don't think that you're gonna be able to play this year, we're not gonna take you. And so I, I'm just Raekwon Battle has been the the number one um like most uh, I think publicized case of this. Um, because of the double transfer or Ali Ali at, at, at Akron going back. Yep. Let's say Raekwon battle that like, let's say that Duke wanted to take Raekwon battle and then they made the decision. He's not going to be able to play this year. So we're not going to take him. Now it's like, wait a second. Like now it's just the goalposts have changed or the scenario is different. And so the teams that actually, that I don't say follow the rules. I hate, I think that just sounds like West Virginia did it. West Virginia completely followed the rules and they were just like hopeful that something like this would happen. They would get a waiver. Whereas the schools are like, you know what? We're not going to take that risk. We need to be sure in who we're bringing in. We're, we're using a scholarship on. They're kind of, it's like, all right, you're, you're out of luck. And so I, I'm for it. I just wish that this was like a more clear process, like before the season, or it wasn't mid-season right now. It's like December 15th is when they're changing their stance because it, I just wish it was a more even playing field in that in that case. But Good. I mean, I'm glad that these guys because a lot of these there are real opportunities. It's not just hey, I'm transferring to transfer and just bounce around. Um, there are real, obviously, circumstances with everything. Um, but it will be interesting to see how it continues to shake out. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about battle of the blue bloods. Let's start with UNC and Kentucky. Um. Whoa. High level. Uh. Yeah. And and you know who made that? I think it was Douster this morning. This has been a big time start to the year. Like college oh, basketball cool. is really good. It's really yeah. good this year. It um, is good. And I know we started at the top of the show with like who can technically win and all those things. But one through 25 is really good. 
all of quality the, teams that you can see being like final four caliber teams. Yes. All quality, quality bloods. teams. Yeah. We talked about this. We talked about it last year. Like when the blue bloods are bad, college basketball suffers. All of the blue bloods are good. Um, you know, UCLA being probably in last place there, but anyway, UK Carolina, unbelievable game, Kentucky. I would I'm say didn't didn't I, I don't want to say dominate because the game was close towards the end, but was in control. Um and, and you got felt up. like they yeah, you felt yeah. like they were yeah. They were in you control. felt like North Carolina was having to really like scratch Battle. and claw and climb back into it. Yeah. Yes. And I gotta say two massive things about UNC. First of all, RJ Davis without Caleb Love, dude. that dude has been he, his draft stock has to have no, I'm not, whatever. Who knows what ends up happening with him. But his draft stock has to be skyrocketing because he has been lights out in the ball screen. Unbelievable playmaker for them. Every time he gets two feet in the paint, they basically score, whether it's a, a drop-off to Baycott or throwing it out um, to Ryan or or any of the other guards. Like, he has been ridiculous. He finished with 27 points, seven rebounds, four assists. On the other yeah. hand, what happened to Mr. Baycott? Mr. Double-Double, nine points, six rebounds. The dude looked lost. And I think that's like a perfect example of why he's not, he you know, he's not really an NBA prospect. Like, he is an NBA prospect by the definition of what that means, but he's not going to make it. Um, what were your thoughts on on the game? Yeah, I mean, I think, one, you're right. I, I think there's a real world where R.J. Davis ends up being ACC player. I don't know, NBA draft stocks, he is. He's still, he's six foot, 180. Um, he's smaller. I do think there's a real world where he could win. If Carolina wins the ACC, he, in my opinion, like it is fully shifted where obviously like Mondo has been kind of the, the preseason and and everything. It's always in Mondo, but like now that it's free and it's his show. And obviously you've still got Godot there and Harrison Ingram's impressed me, but RJ Davis, I do think there is a world where Carolina wins the ACC and he ends up ACC player of the year. Um, because I mean, he is, it's one of those where, and you talk, it's so cliche, and we say it a million times, when you get to March, like, you need guards that can make shots and make plays. I mean, Bro, he was his... running down. Dude, the last, like, they have played quality, quality teams since November 23rd. The opponent's been Kentucky, UConn, Florida State, Tennessee, Arkansas, Villanova. You know how many points he's had in each of those games? Yes. 27, 26, 27, 27, 30, 23. And in my, the best comparison, at least to me, and I think he does more, and he's not the same player, but it's Carson Edwards-esque, in my opinion. Mm. Like, it's very Carson Edwards-esque of he's he can get to like he can score, but he can pull up from anywhere. You look, I mean, he was three of nine from three, four of eight, three of nine. He missed that one free throw. Um, I think it was his only his third missed free throw of the season. Is an inopportune time there at the end. He was eight of nine from the line. But – and he does – he had five turnovers, which was a little uncharacteristic. I mean, outside of that, I think he'd only had – He only had four five, in the last four games. Eleven, Yeah. He had like at 14 on the season so far. Um, and, Bro, he, and so he, he, no, no guard in the country ref, is, is this lethal in refusing a ball screen. He's so good, especially when he's going right to left, the right to left crossover. And then he has that kind of leaning forward three where like yeah. he finishes like a whole foot, like past the three point line. It's a bucket every time. He's so comfortable in that position. Anyway, I I'm just so impressed by him. If you look at his four years, I mean, you want to talk about like, I mean, just solid improvement from almost every statistical category. 
and I, you know, that's how it should go, I guess, but doesn't always happen. He started with eight points a game, then 13 as a sophomore, 16 last year. He's up to 21.6 this year. Um, yeah. The dude has, has single-handedly kept them alive because, whoo, what a bad ending for Elliot Cadeau. That's tough. I mean, what are we doing? And this is, I think my thing, it, it, it was, it was a really what tough was look. The, what was the play? Because he reacted as if, and who did he throw it to? Cormac? He threw it to Cormac Ryan. And who, it was who like, wasn't it looking... Was, not once. No, at all. Like Cormac looked like he was like going to set a down screen. Oh, set a down screen. And and Godot is looking like, oh, I, I'm swinging the ball immediately, and I'm cut. Like it looked like they were completely on two different pages. Yeah. Um. My my take with though is if you look at that that mistake, and obviously Cormac Ryan's not young by any means. He, he's he's a veteran, but Godot's a freshman. Kentucky's strongest best player are freshmen. My biggest takeaway from this game is that I am scared that of how both of these teams are going to develop and how good they'll be by the end of the season. I do think I, I might be higher. I think I'm probably higher on both those teams even than you are. I think Kentucky. Wait, are you saying like they're going to keep They're going to be better. really, really, oh, really yeah. strong by March. That's, yeah, no doubt. That is my, I think that no um, Kentucky, it's back to, and we talked, I mean, I was high on them going into the season because they just have so much talent with Wagner, with Dillingham, um, Reed Shepard. And they do have some veterans with Reeves and Justin Edwards. Um, no, sorry, Justin Edwards, a freshman. If you look at, um, oh, my lord, Trey Mitchell, uh, yeah, you have yeah, some veteran yeah. presence there as well. I just think by the end of the season, they're going to continue to develop. Like, take the Wilmington loss out of it, that was obviously a big uh, surprise. Yeah, they lost to Kansas by five on a neutral court where we all walked away being very impressed. Yeah, they're about to play Louisville, um, and Illinois State, and then the go to the SEC. Time. Like, I feel really good about Kentucky. Um, do I think they're going to win the SEC? Not necessarily because I think they'll probably take more lumps along the way than Tennessee will just because of how the the, the youth on that team. But I think when we get to March and we're going to determine like who's the most dangerous team, I think they'll easily be one of the five to ten most dangerous teams in the tournament. Yeah. Do I think yeah. they'll put together six wins and go in night? I'm not there yet. I'm not there with Carolina either. But – I think that by the end, you're going to be able to make legitimate cases for both those teams, especially at Carolina. Look, they've, they've lost, obviously, Villanova in overtime, lost to UConn by nine. They lost to Kentucky. We said it, I mean, just to kind of start the segment. College about there have been great matchups. Great. And we've gotten this point now where we're actually, we complained about the, like, the first week of the season. But now these teams are actually, we're getting these really good matchups. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really, really. They play. So this will come out um, here on Monday. Wednesday is 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 Carolina and Oklahoma, and we'll be able to see Oklahoma's on a ten game win streak. They started ten and zero. We'll see. Are they? They've got the eighth ranked defense uh, per Ken Palm. Like it's going to be very, very interesting in the uh, the Brady Manic Bowl um, of 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 what are are we going to get a bounce back Carolina? Is Oklahoma going to prove to the rest of the country that they are for real? I mean, not that they they have decent wins, but nothing to the caliber of, of what a UNC win would mean. So I'm very, very, very interested in Wednesday night um, and, and how, how, uh, how big this game is going to be for those two teams. Let's uh, I mean, Kentucky's just impressive, man. I, I don't know if I have a more, I'm not saying they're the best. They're definitely in the top 10, but the combo of Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner and Dillingham, those three guards, man, I don't know how many other sets of guards I'm taking over those three. They have been, and they all, what I love about it, they all three of them are different, but complement each other pretty well. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like you're gonna let Dilling- Dillingham takes some. Woo! He takes some life. Do you have a comparison for him? I feel like it's. Uh, it... 
Something like Russ Smith esque in a way. Well, what? Why am I blanking on um, NC State's best score last year? The From guard. last season? Yeah. Uh, not uh, not Janelle. Um, Tra- Tra- Travion or not Trey? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You're right. Wait, it's who, Tra- why am I blanking on him? Smith? No. Yes, Terquavion Smith. Terquavion Smith. I was like, Tra- little, and then Janelle. Yeah. He's got a little bit of that, like, like you can see it, like especially oh, yeah. when he hits one, you're like, oh my god, he he's he's about to go, like. And he can make, dude. Did you see him give the small boy sign to like a six? Oh my gosh! Yeah, hit that tough runner. I love it. And then you have like Reed Shepard, Mister like, buy the book, run the offense, swing the ball when he's yep. open. It's a bucket. Doesn't make mistakes. And then Wagner, who's kind of in between those guys. Like he he sometimes you Wagner see loves the mid range, man. Yeah, he like, loves the mid range. Man, those three are – they are fun to watch. The too. interesting thing with Wagner and obviously Ken Palm, these are all statistical comparisons. Um, there's nothing with style or flow. The interesting thing is that um, the comparisons to DJ Wagner, at least so far through through the season, and Jaden Ivey in 21, um, Jarrett Culver in 18 uh, from Texas Tech. Like just in terms of um, statistically, those are the closest matches. Mm. But he's not like – he's only shooting 29% from three. Um, he's 10 of 34 on the year his free throw is de- like decent his assist rate decent but like i feel like there's just gonna there's still another level that can even be unlocked with him too yeah i uh I and cal's letting him play like it's it's just so we went through this phase i feel like where cal was like shifted and like we're just going port like and everything was around oscar and we're going to the portal we're bringing in jake jacob toppin and the case and wall and all these and now it's this seems like we talked about this before the season. This seems like we're we're going back to the uh I guess what what year would that have been? 2020 was Kentucky team where it was a lot like Tyrese Maxey, quickly, Hagen, like it's a younger team with really good guards. Cal's letting them play, uh, and letting them really the talent show and letting them develop. Even like, yeah, 19, the 19 Cal, that was uh Tyler Hero's a freshman, Keldon Johnson, Ashton Hagen's reach, like they and they had the one like Reed Travis is that Trey Mitchell. You have the one mm-hmm. transfer older big. You got uh, Emmanuel quickly um, off the bench like Nick Richard. Like yep. very this team very very similar to me. I think if, if comparison in recent memory to 2019 Kentucky, um, and they lost in overtime in the in the Elite Eight to uh, to Auburn. So I, I I think there is a I don't know if I want to say that. I, I don't know if I would trust them still. Like I said to win a national championship, but I do think the final they have a ceiling of a, a true legitimate ceiling of a of a final four. Let's talk about a couple of cool thrones and if they'll stay that way. Coming into the season, Calipari, uh, Kentucky fans were ready to fire this dude, which to me has always been wild. Um, so I think he's fully off of it now. The yes, you know, like to your point, will there be some? Uh, some freshman lulls in January and February. Maybe they struggle. They lose two on the road, something like that, for sure. I think as long as Calipari gets to the Elite Eight. The, yeah, the only thing that I can say that is, and I just hyped him up, granted, they could be susceptible. He has not made it to the second weekend. Now, there was not a tournament in 2020. Yes, but he hasn't made it to the second weekend since 2019. And so, obviously, so, if they don't, yeah, if they didn't make it back, then, yeah, that's like no matter how good they can win the SEC, they could be a one or a two seed. But if they... Like say they're a two seed or a three seed, and they lose to a fourteen or a fifteen, or even they lose to like a six or seven in an unconvincing fashion. Yeah, like they're going to be loud and vocal because they're Kentucky. I don't see that happening. Um, 
I, I think, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd feel comfortable right now if we sit here today. If I had to put my, I think they're an elite eight team. I think they're definitely sh- it should be a second, uh, a second weekend team, no doubt. But you're right, like it, it shouldn't. He he doesn't deserve the criticism that he gets. Um, but it, it all of that is just because like, hey, we haven't gotten out of the first weekend since literally 2019 with players that like are like about to be on their second NBA contract at this point. Yeah. I think um what's his name? Is it Joel Klatt, the college football yeah. guy? Yeah. He made, you know, I'm in Buckeye country, which is brutal, but um Bob he made a really well, I wish it was Bobcat Country. It should be Bobcat Country. Five bowls in a row. Um, he made a really good point after Ohio State lost to Michigan um, around the whole like fire Ryan Day campaign. And I will have, I've had conversations with lifelong Buckeye fans who will look me in the eye and say, you can't lose to Michigan three years in a row. And I'm like, I, I just think that's crazy. You guys, this... This is a 100-year-long rivalry. There are ebbs and flows. You guys just came off like a nine-year stretch. And they did the same to Harbaugh. Harbaugh lost like yeah. six in a row. And they were like, Yeah, it's like he can't win the big one. Yeah. Can't win the big one. Penn it's State like, even. Penn State, it's with James Franklin. Like Penn State's back. Like they're a consistent top 10 every year. But it's like if you don't beat Ohio State or Michigan – it, it just it's and it's very similar. It's the exact same. Like you could put together a 30 win college basketball season in Kentucky or something. And it's like, well, if you don't make it out of the first weekend, that's really all we care about, which is. Yeah. And and tough. I just think while there's some validity and to, to yeah, OK, like you three in a row is tough. You can't just change for change. And that was Joel Klatt's thing. He was like, to what? To who? Who is only losing seven games in five years? Can you do better than Ryan Day? Like, you can criticize him all, all you want, but I think that's the same thing with Cal. Like, who? Who, who are you getting at Kentucky? Who? The only, one, the only one that's been thrown out there, as we've talked about for a while, and I just wanted – I'm just saying this. Not that I think it's going to happen, should happen or anything, but the name that always was, like, made sense as a logical next uh, successor to Cal – was Chris Beard, who has the Ole Miss Rebels? I guess there's are they still the Rebels? I in in 2020, <laughs> I, but they're ten and zero. Now they haven't they haven't played their best wins. They they beat Memphis, they beat NC State, UCF. Chris Beard, I, I think if this if Ole Miss being it now that he's in the SEC too, if they keep winning, that's the only thing. If you if you look, they play Kentucky at Kentucky Tuesday, February 13th. I guarantee you, if somehow Ole Miss wins and people. Those fans are look what look what look what Chris Beard's doing. I agree with you hundred percent. No one's doing that. They're the only name that I think that Kentucky fans will turn to um that's realistic, it would be like a Chris Beard. Um because I yeah, it, it it'll be but you're right, there's the 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 seat should not be hot, but there's your your you just it's when the you, nature it's expectations of it. yeah. and it's yeah, the nature it's, of it's, it. Yeah. Um all right, let's talk about Louisville. Uh, the drama does not stop. They have this. And now we found out that actually Kenny Payne was trying to do a nice thing. Um, yeah. Announcement comes out that I'm blanking on the kid's name, but announcement comes out that a player is transferring, um, leaving the program. Then the player tweets, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I didn't say this. What I where I wasn't yeah. talked to, blah, blah, blah. 
And then it comes out that actually Kenny Payne was do it was a nice PR thing for yeah, the kids. Yeah, it was Karan Davis, who hadn't played at all. Yeah, because actually he got dismissed. But then yeah. anyway, so all of that comes out. And then there's a photo of the kid sitting in the stands. That was tough. Like, listen, so Ian and I were talking before we started recording, like, and we were trying to think of an example. And if someone has one, tweet it at us. Can you do permanent damage to a to a brand, to a college basketball brand or a college football brand? Um, I think the pros are that's I don't think you can. Um, you can just buy your way back if you really wanted to. Um, but I think in college basketball, like, is Louisville doing permanent damage? Has this become how many bad hires before you're like, actually, Louisville, don't stay away from Louisville? Are we there yet? Does I, Kenny Payne survive? Like what? Like no, and it's. I mean, they are, we. I've been very vocal. I think it's a top five job. I I think it's a top five, and I don't think there's any question it's a top ten job. Like you can make an argument that there's, um, it's not the fifth best. I I personally I think it it is with the resources, um, the history, and get the, people in the school. It it is it is just great when facility. I think when you're when you're in it, and and how like I mean, there's not like you can pour absolute gasoline on that fire when you're cooking yes. right now it is just like the fire i mean you've got just like some there's uh, the logs aren't even there like it's just you're not it, it's it's tough because it is quick and like i think it, it's it's unfortunate too because there was that point i mean we thought like chris mack we've talked about this recently like it was it was not all bad from chris mack i mean they went no. No, they went to the tournament. They were seven seed in in twenty nineteen, um, and that was his first year there. They went twenty four and seven in twenty twenty. Like they were, um, and then obviously kind of will. So I, I think you can get back to and and now it makes it even more possible to get back quicker. I mean, look, I mean, once again, like Chris Portal. Beard just came yep. into Ole Miss and they're ten and zero, and and you can kind of build some of that. I I don't think by any means it's it, it is it could definitely be tarnished because I is a very different outlook on even when Kenny Payne took the job, but like you look at when Chris Mack took the job and that was off the heat of all the FBI stuff and Patino mm -hmm. and everything. Like it was still like, Oh, this is like Chris Mack's really only leaving Xavier for like one gig and it's Louisville and he did. And it made so much sense. Now it's not the same. There's not the luster isn't completely lost, but it's not as shiny of a job as it was. I do think it can immediately get right back there. Um, but it, it is tough. I will say, like, it is really tough seeing Yum Center as empty as it is, just because a lot of the fans are. It's just it's become apathetic at this point. You don't want to go travel downtown Louisville and um and just be disappointed continually. But I yeah. don't think that that is, and I don't I don't think it's all in Kenny Payne. I don't think it's all. I, I think it's just a multitude of factors, and I, I it's it's tough. But I think they get. I, yeah, there's no one. I don't think there's any program that's just completely been killed off at any point where it's really, really just like fallen off for good. There's not anyone that thinks like Indiana. You can talk about like, the Kelvin Sampson and like how that hurt them and yeah, built it up and Crean had him number one in the country and then Archie kind of had his moments and it's, they're not Indiana Bob Knight, yeah, but Indiana still an unbelievably respected job. And I think Louisville, this is just their, the Valley right now yeah. that they're sitting in. Um, 
Georgetown, you can even say like Georgetown in a similar way too. Of like, yeah, Georgetown's, Georgetown's a good one. It, but good one. but but the same thing. If Ed Cooley's not taking that job, if if it's still not a top tier job, and and the, and the opportunity there is to get back, I think it's the same with with Louisville. Um, I also I I just wish that, um, it, I think exactly what you said. The biggest thing of like that that is tough for Kenny Payne to have. Like he was trying to do right. And let, like the reason why you say that of like he's intended transfer is so he becomes more. Uh, it's it's an easier way. It's easier for him to find a landing spot than being like, oh, well, this kid got kicked off the team at Louisville versus this kid just didn't work out. He's transferring, and that kid just spitefully threw it right back. It's like that's not you're not helping yourself out either, no. there, pal. And that's no. and so um, tough. Hoping for hoping for better days. Yeah. Um. All right, let's wrap it up with the Dukes. The James Madison Dukes. It's just, I mean, we can't, and we all, we just have to. It's going to be a recurring segment until I mean, they, 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 we only had one game since we last recorded. It was against Hampton. Um, we're going to get two this week. Credit to the Dukes. They were down one at halftime, ended up winning by 17 on the road. Um, mm-hmm. So a little bit of scare, obviously a little bit of bounce back there. Um, but they just, I mean, offensively, they are just, I mean, they're putting up 88 on the road. Like, You've got how many? One, two, three. They have six guys in double figures. Um, and I think, yeah, with their and they're they're twelve of thirty-two from the once again. If you've not watched them, they let it fly. It was twelve of thirty-two from three. Go oh, watch yeah. them; they're fun to watch. Um, and then they get um, you know, Coppin State here Tuesday. Um, at home, Morgan Morgan State, and then dub. you get into some and you get into Sun Belt play. Um, and so right now they're sitting at ten and zero. Tied for the the third longest win streak. We, we mentioned obviously the Oklahoma Ole Miss, but James Madison. They are they play the twenty seventh quickest tempo. They're thirty ninth in offensive efficiency. They're twenty first best three point shooting team in the country. They are fun. Um, the and the thing is too, this is fun because it's it's a lot. Of, it's a veteran team. Bigger staffs a senior. Terrence Edwards is a junior. Michael Green's a senior. Friedel's a senior. What is like. This is, I think, what is fun about like mid-major college basketball, and they're not all have been at JMU their whole time. Some of them did transfer, but it's it is a a, gr- a collective group that's been together for a while. Um, and so, once again, shout out to the Dukes. Um, keep things rolling, ten and zero, uh, and and sixty eighth in Ken Palm right now. Um, they started the season at one hundred and thirty sixth, um, so they're 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 creeping they're they're creeping up. That's a wrap. Episode 140. Probably won't hear from us until in between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Duke's got a big one against Baylor next. In the in, in the garden, too. Cameron North, as we like to call it. Um, that's going to be a big one. That's um, It is, because Baylor's reeling after getting smoked. Uh, that's the worst timing, too. Like, come on. They had to get smoked. Against, now they're going to come out. Five, watch hey, dude. and they're then, gonna play hey, like a top five team. Virginia, Virginia's in that same boat where Virginia's um well, I actually I take that back. No, Virginia actually might be the opposite. Virginia plays Memphis here on uh on on Tuesday night, true road game at Memphis Tuesday night. Virginia actually almost got stunned by Northeastern at home. They Ooh. had a they had an eleven day break um between playing NC Central oh, and Northeastern rusty. because you're an academic first institution. Mm. Um academia. And so, uh, but now they've got to turn around. They got to go to Memphis, and Memphis just uh, Memphis just handed Clemson their first loss of the season. And so, um, it will be it will be a dog fight Tuesday night in 
or they call, is it still FedEx Forum? Yeah, FedEx Forum. Um, and it will be Virginia right now, camp number two defense uh, in, in, in the country. And so um, we, we talked about for Beekman and, and Ryan Dunn, they're going to have their hands full. And um, we get uh, one of the last remaining uh, Jelly Fan members in college basketball and Javon Quinterly. Right. That will be an awesome matchup between Beekman and, and Quinterly for sure. So um, that'll be big, big week here, man. Big week. Big week. Big week for uh, for old POC's mental health over the holidays. We could use a Baylor dub. We could use a Baylor dub. Um, all right, that's it. Episode 140. Until next time, keep the ball bouncing. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.